and welcome to Women in Confidence with Vanessa Murphy, the podcast that discusses all things to do with confidence at work. This is a podcast for women who want to know more about where their confidence supports them and where it can let them down in their careers. I'm your host, Vanessa Murphy, confidence coach, HR expert and podcaster. Every fortnight, this podcast will introduce you to women who have interesting stories to tell around confidence. Through their stories, you will realise that even women who appear to have it all have had confidence wobbles. But by listening to them, you will take away what they do to remain top of the confidence game. My guest this week on Wounding Confidence is Emily King. Emily is a money mindset coach and a business mentor, and is also an expert on wealth and abundance for entrepreneurs. And if that wasn't enough for you, she's also an MBA grad, an NLP practitioner, a public speaker, including a TED Talk, which I highly recommend to you, and a master manifester. She's also the mum of a three-month-old, so I'm absolutely blessed that she can join me today on the show. But before we get started, I want to thank Lindy Alexander for putting me in touch with Emily. Lindy was my guest on episode five of Women in Confidence, so please go and check that out after you've listened to this one. Emily, thank you very much for joining Women in Confidence today. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. As saying um, earlier, I'm really hot because again, <laughs> well, you're one of my guests who's at the opposite side of the world to me and in a, in another hemisphere. So, should yeah. you tell everybody where you're actually uh, coming from today? Yes, I'm in a spot called Newfoundland, Canada. So I'm on the east coast of Canada on an island where it's now snowy and cold. And a long winter ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was telling Emily earlier that um, I'm in Melbourne and I think it's about 28 degrees and it's only nine in the morning. So it's going to be a hot one today. So we are completely different. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that we're, we're coming from completely different sides of the world, which is amazing. Yeah. Right. We should absolutely get on with this podcast. I ask this of all my guests um, and I'm really curious to know, Emily, what do you think confidence is? <sighs> you know... I feel like confidence, at least for me, is taking a deep breath and choosing yourself. Like one thing I've learned about confidence is somebody can't give it to you. You have to decide it for yourself. And it's like taking that deep breath and deciding to show up uh, despite maybe not feeling completely ready, because as we all know, you'll never feel ready. Right. And just choosing yourself, because even if initially you don't feel confident, eventually you will when you're like, damn, I got this. Like, look at me go. So that, that I feel in a nutshell is confidence, deep breath, choose yourself. And I know your story and we've, we've met, so there'll be a lot of times when you can show people or talk to people about choosing yourself uh, through your story and what you do. Well, let's talk about your job or your vocation or, or your profession. Because I've, I've, I say you're a money mindset business mentor. Is that how yeah. you would describe yourself? I, yeah, yes, essentially. Yeah. For the longest time, I used to call myself a wealth and abundance coach. And yeah, just recently I was like, you know what, let's, let's change it to money mindset and business mentor. Cause that's really what it is. It's, I do it money mindset. And then I love doing the business mentoring as well. So yeah. And to the average person on the street who asks me what I do, I don't say money mindset. Cause they'd be like, Oh, what's that? So I just go, Oh, I'm just a business coach. <laughs> I'm glad you say that. Cause there'll be many people who go, oh, what is money mindset? What, yeah. How, how do coaches end up being money mindset and what does it all mean? So can you just help me understand what is a money mindset coach? So money mindset is, well, essentially all of us have 
a relationship with money, whether we, or, or, um, yeah, I guess a relationship with money, whether we realize it or not. Um, meaning we have a feeling about it, whether we like it, we dislike it, we are neutral. And so money mindset is really uncovering that relationship with money and helping you to have a really positive relationship with money so that you can make more of it and enjoy life because, uh, we cannot escape money. Like money was invented for a reason and it's like hated or like, take it or leave it. We need money in order to live. And so I believe we might as well have an amazing relationship with it because it ain't going away. (laughs) And do you predominantly coach females? Yes. Yeah. Because what happened, and I know we might get into the backstory, but just to give you a little snippet is back in 2016, I was getting so frustrated that I saw so many women playing small and I don't know about you, but it kills me when I see like very talented, very gifted women who are running their businesses or who want to have a business that supports them financially and otherwise, and they just really hide or they don't, well, you know, have the confidence to really put themselves out there and make the money that they deserve and can make. And that would drive me nuts. And also the worst of it was seeing people either like shut down their businesses or feel like, um, you know, I'm gifted at this, so I should just do this for free, you know, like, or this is just a hot, and I'm like, you are very talented and should get paid for this. So that's why I decided there that women in particular needed some help with the money mindset, because I mean, for many, many centuries, it's really only like, geez, in the last, God, I don't even know, like within the last 50 years that women have really stepped up and been like, all right, I can, I can do this. Cause for the longest time it was the men that were like, you know, the breadwinners and the women stayed home. And, you know, I was saying to someone the other day, at least where I live, you know, back in the day of my parents' generation, or maybe even a generation before it was like the women, you were either a nurse or a receptionist or a mom, like pick your choice kind of thing. Maybe there's a few others in there, but women didn't have the opportunities that they do now. And now that we do, it's like, we got to step up with our money mindset as well and allow ourselves to receive. Mm. You're so right, actually. There's centuries almost of societal pressure for women not to work. So how, yes. how you know, how can you lean into the space about talking about money when actually for many, many centuries and only recently, we've been creating our own wealth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got this weight of centuries of expectation that women don't earn. Yeah. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Like I have some women that come to me that, that I work with and one of their, like I call it the money block is they feel uncomfortable at even just the thought of potentially making more than their male partner, be it married or boyfriend or what have you. Cause they feel that it might be intimidating and their partner might leave them Or another side of it is if they become this successful entrepreneur that's making, maybe not even an entrepreneur, maybe they they work for another business and have a great salary. They worry that then they won't be the good like mom or wife or partner, you know, what have you. And, you know, if they have kids in particular, then, you know, I won't have time with my kids. And that's not necessarily true. Like I have a newborn, like my daughter's three months old now, and I have a ton of freedom with my time because I decided that money and uh, time freedom were going to be a part of my life. And I 
I went against the the grain of uh, what most people say, which is, um, you know, if you want money, you got to work really hard. That's not to say I sit back and do nothing all day, but I'm like, it's like the classic, like work smarter, not harder kind of thing. I work smart and efficiently, and I have lots of time to spend with my daughter and my husband and family and friends. So are you saying that mindset or money mindset is a conscious choice? You can decide to think positively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, are, are you asking? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, mindset, a lot of people don't think that people think, well, this is just how I think. This is just me. Yeah. But you're saying that you can make a positive choice to think differently about money. Yes. And the first place to start is to ask yourself, what's not serving me when it comes to my beliefs about money? So, somebody listening can just simply sit there and just say, okay, well, One exercise that I find is really fun to do is just ask yourself, when I think of the word money, what comes to mind? And I do that oftentimes if I'm doing like a a speaking event or, you know, a small workshop or something like that, I'll just say, okay, the word money, go, give me, give me your thoughts. And some people will say like freedom. Some people say um, greed, you know, uh, selfish. Some people say like charity, like you get all sort like good, bad in between. And it's really interesting to uncover uh, the beliefs and like our upbringing around money. Um, and so that's a great place to start is someone just ask, okay, what are some limitations or what are some things, like I said, that don't serve me around my beliefs with money mm, and, that, and even, sorry, go ahead. No, as I was gonna say, that's such a great exercise for anybody who's listening to just have a go and just see what yeah. it uncovers. Yeah. And one of another thing that I do, because it's, it's, it's a very, if, if this is totally new to somebody, they might, they might kind of be like a deer in the headlights. Just got, I, I don't know. Like what, what are my beliefs around it? So that's okay. Because I was the same way too many years ago when I was first introduced to this, I'm like, what do you mean? There's this money mindset thing. And I can, I can shift the way I feel about money. What? And so what I have my clients do is actually set an alarm on the, well, typically on their phone, because we have them on us all the time for the most part. And you set three alarms. So like morning, noon, and evening. And when the alarm goes off, that's your reminder to check in with what have been my thoughts around money or has there been anything triggering around money the last few hours? And so maybe it was, you went to the grocery store and you thought, oh my God, more, more money going out the door. Or maybe you got a bill in the mail and you're like, oh God, like, I don't want to open that bill, you know? So these are all money related things. Or maybe it's positive things like, oh, it felt really good to, I don't know, pick up a gift for someone like to have the abundance to do that. Um, or maybe you donated to a charity or whatever it might be. So it could be good or bad. Um, but yeah, just do those check-ins throughout the day. And the interesting thing is at the end of the day, and even when I do this myself, because I do this from time to time, is you'll see that there's a recurring pattern. For the mo- That's what's typically happened for myself and clients is there's a re- repeating pattern of something that comes up for you. And that's your indicator there of like, ah, interesting. This is coming up for me. So now what would I like to believe instead? So then you can deliberately choose. So if you, you're programming your brain around negative. So I don't want to read that bill or I've got, you know, fees to pay, whatever it may be, you can program your brain to feel positive about those. Is that, is that what you do with your clients? Yeah. And for someone who like maybe really having a hard time with money right now to think, or to to just hear like, just think positive about it might feel too far-fetched where they're just like, screw you. Like, (laughs) Like, I don't have the money for this bill right now. I'm struggling to get by. So like, give me the middle finger kind of thing. (laughs) 
So what they might do is just like kind of like bridge the gap, so to speak. So maybe they're saying like, I'm broke as a joke or like one step forward, two steps back. And it's too far of a stretch to go, oh, I'm rich and I have plenty of money and everything's fine. You know, like that's too far of a stretch. So find that middle ground where you can be like, I don't know, something like, let's just say a bill is comes in the mail and you know, you have that thought of like, oh my God, another bill. You can say to yourself, like, maybe like, well, you know what? I've had money in the past for these bills when things were tight and the money is there again. Like, or just find little tiny bits of gratitude of like, yes, this is a bill for, I don't know, my electrical bill, but thank you. Like, thank you for the lights. <laughs> you know, thank you for the electricity because some people in the world don't have that. Some people might love to get a bill for their electricity because they wish they had electricity, right? So really finding little subtle ways that you can find gratitude or appreciation or or like some form of abundance to make yourself feel wealthy because as actually I was telling you earlier, I was actually no, I wasn't telling you this, but I was telling you we have beautiful snow here today and I was out for a lovely walk this morning. And this thought came to me of the fastest way to receive more abundance is to realize that you already have it. Because we're always on this quest to get. And when we realize that we already have it, that becomes an, an amplifier for more. Because right, like right now, no matter what your situation is, even if, like, God forbid, somebody's on the streets right now, like homeless, they could at least say there's, you know, a food bank for me where I can go and get a hot meal today. Or um, maybe there's a shelf, like there's there's government services, at least here where I live, you know, where they can go to receive help and, and feel abundant in, in even the smallest way. So no matter where you are, um, there's always a way to feel abundant. And that is going to help you attract more money, finances, abundance in your life. There's so much I want to ask you. Um, and it's something you raised earlier around costs and prices and, and charging people for what you deserve. Yeah. Um, because as a, I imagine uh, working with your clients, you uncover a real sense of lack of confidence around pricing and mm. charging and moving from what people call and women call a hobby to actually mm. this is a business. Do you, What do you uncover when you work with your clients? Well, most of the time undercharging <laughs> where there there's like a big one is, well, if I charge more, I'm going to lose all my clients. Um, and you know, just like, like, like just, just straight up, like, oh, I can't possibly charge that. Like, you know, that's, that's too much. And it's like, well, it says who, or they'll look around at, you know, people in their world, you know, competitors, and they'll be like, well, they only charge $20 for this. So I couldn't possibly charge 25 or whatever it might be. And so that's what comes up. And so I'm not here to say, cause I, I feel like there's some coaches out there, um, that, kind of push, like you got to have the high end prices if you want to feel worthy and own your worth and that kind of stuff. And I'm not here to say that if you want to charge bottom of the barrel for your, or like the lowest prices for your service, go for it, but own it <laughs> and have a strategy behind it. Cause like you could charge, for example, there's, um, a woman over the, in the UK who has a membership site and it's $50 a month, I believe for this membership site. And she gives a ton of stuff in there. Like it takes a ton of work for her to, and her team to, you know, make it what it is. And so somebody could say, you should be charging 500 for that a month because look at all the materials and blah, blah, blah that they get. Yeah. But she has 5,000 members. <laughs> so I think she's okay. <laughs> 
So whatever price it is that somebody decides they want to charge, like own it, but don't resent your clients if you don't like what you're charging. That's on you to turn inwards and say, what would I love to charge? And like nine times out of 10, it's not the most comfortable thing to up your rates or to step into, I want to charge X, Y, whatever it might be. Um, but it's kind of like, you just like, you got to do it because if you're waiting for it to feel comfortable, to feel confident in your pricing, you're going to be waiting a really long time. From just my- talking about money and wealth and there's so much discussion at the moment. Um, I've seen in sort of HR um, circles around talking about what people earn. And that mm. seems to be doing the rounds, like, do you declare what you earn? But there's just such an uncomfortableness about talking about money and wealth. And yes. I don't know, why Why is that? I mean, there's the centuries-old stuff, but what makes people so uncomfortable talking about what they earn? Because, because of the – it's almost like the character traits. Now, this is my own opinion on it, obviously, but the character traits that we give – wealth, meaning, let me explain. So I was saying to someone the other day, I don't know if you recall, but in like the movies that you watched growing up, at least in my time, the people who were rich in the movies were the bad people. And the people who were poor were the friendly, kind, loving people, right? Like think Mm -hmm. of like Cinderella, you know, she was so sweet and everybody loved her, but she had like the evil stepmom, you know, who was rich and her stepsisters and uh, like even like Pretty Woman, that movie where yeah. Julie Roberts goes into that shop on Rodeo Drive and the rich people are like, kind of like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, get out of here, you poor person. Right. And so it's kind of embedded in us unconsciously growing up, at least for me, like the rich people are snobs and greedy and evil. And, you know, the kind of average or low income people, like we're the good people, you know, we're the kind people, we're the people that you know, go to church and do all the giving and these rich people, they're just snobs kind of thing. So I think that's part of the reason why people don't like to talk about money because like, well, there's many, many stories that might go on in people's heads, but some of it might be like, I'll be judged. Cause I know like, even for myself, when I started to do well financially, um, it was almost like, I can't share this because, you know, one, I'll be a target. Um, two, it might make my friends uncomfortable because they don't make as much as me. So like it almost like I'm afraid I'll be bragging or something like that, even though I wasn't. And even like people are scared of the tax man too, where they're like, if people know it, like, like, am I going to get in trouble with the tax man? If I make too much, like, you know, like all these fears around the too muchness with money, hold people back from really talking about it. I, I like to say like money and sex are the two like taboo topics that we like keep behind closed doors. Like nobody talk about it, please. <laughs> well, I've had um, somebody talk about sex on this. So why not bring on money? Now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bring it on. Let's talk about money and, and wealth. And I think it's a really important debate to step into, particularly around normalizing a conversation about money for women. Um, yes. women business owners and just women generally to step into that space as we hopefully fingers crossed carry on really stepping into businesses and and management and leadership positions and I do hope that continues what I want to talk to you um, Emily is about how did you get into being a business or a money mindset business mentor mm-hmm. money fascinated me I feel like I was born to do this which might sound a little weird because I mean, no kid grows up being like, I want to be a money mindset coach. Like, (laughs) 
but in hindsight a sore teacher right like upon reflection it's like oh okay this was meant for me because I can't remember if I was telling you the last time we chatted but when I was like, I think I was five or six years old, um, and you would have seen this in my in my TEDx talk, I sold pieces of my hair to make money. And so this whole money thing fascinated me because my dad, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad uh, is an entrepreneur. And so there was different seasons where, you know, sometimes we had a bit more money and sometimes they were like, okay, you know, we even had a vacation the day before we were supposed to go canceled because they're like we can't pay for this it's like okay so it was like up and down so this whole money thing fascinated me and I had some friends who were more well off and so I'd like see them getting all the Disney trips and like the having the boats and the sea-doos like all the toys you know and um so so yeah when I got when I got older um I found myself in like tens of thousands of dollars of debt after finishing university. And I was miserable because I thought the world would be my oyster. I thought I'd graduate from my MBA and all would be well. And I'd have my passion and my life figured out and I'd be making money. And it was like, so not that path. And anyhow, long, long story short, um, I found a life coach very randomly on a Google search. I didn't even know life coaches existed. I was like, what is this? thing, this life coach thing. Cause this is going back what, like 10 years ago, oh no, 11 years ago now, since it's 2022. And, um, yeah. And I signed up for this hugs and laughter program. It was this monthly like group program. It was back in the day when like, I had to use like a calling card to call <laughs> into this, like, it was like before the zoom and Skype days. And, uh, yeah, so that's where it started. And that was my first experience with learning about mindset and the power of our mindset. And in particular money mindset. And one thing led to another where, um, next thing you know, I was doing vision boards and affirmations and I ended up, um, being able to build my first home. And I, I intended to make a hundred thousand dollars somehow. And i made it through the sale of that first home in profit. And one thing led to another. And, uh, I decided to start coaching and helping people with money mindset because I realized it was so important and I had such a fascination with it and a really positive, it grew to be a very positive relationship with it. And I just knew I had to help other people get into the same positive relationship with money because I don't know what it is in Australia, but what is it? Money, financial, like stress. I believe it's the number one stress in Canada above like above health relationships work financial stress is the number one stressor so it's a huge thing that we need to really feel good about yeah you talked earlier about uh vision boards um manifestation and i guess with your um you're making the money on the property yes there's a lot of work that goes into it but you you were like i want to make 100k on this one yes yeah. Is that a practice you still do? Do you still do vision boards? Do you still do manifestation? Do you yes. still go? Yeah. You still practice those? Yes, absolutely. Like even earlier when I was on that walk uh, that I was talking about, I was just walking around this pond here and I was uh, saying to myself out loud, cause there was nobody around. <laughs> I was just like, I am a millionaire. I am one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, money loves me. Like I love myself, like just all these positive things. Like I'm so supported by the universe. And as I was walking around the pond, I did an acting as if exercise where I walked and, and nothing really changes in the external, 
but I walked as if I already were a millionaire. So I thought to myself, if I already had like a multi-million dollar business, you know, how would I feel walking around this pond right now? And it's just kind of like, you just kind of like stand a bit taller, like, hmm, like, you know, like a little smile, but like life is good, you know? <laughs> and so I still do that stuff to this day. And actually my vision board, I, uh, I, I got to update it now because I, I do, I do an updated one every year. And so, uh, yeah, I still do them to this day because they have, they're just so powerful and they're so fun. Like it's a fun thing to do. So why not? Yeah. I'm j- I've started a vision board probably around the 2nd of January, something like that. And it's still it's still a work in progress, but I've actually enjoyed it and I have it right in front of my computer. So I look at it all the time. So it's the first time I've ever done it. So I'm hoping. Really? That, yeah, yeah. The first time I've ever done wow. it. I was always a cynic. I mean, this podcast has opened my <laughs> eyes to so much. I'm like, that's not going to work. But I'm, I'm yeah. curious. I just, because you just download everything that's in your brain of what you mm. want to achieve, it's just, yeah, I, I found it a really cathartic process to saying, well, actually, what are my revenue streams and what are, you know, where do I aspire to even just my health? What do I aspire to have this year? Which yeah. probably isn't just purely about wealth, but it's about my mindset and getting myself into a place of gratitude and mentally healthy. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to see if this year of Ooh. doing my vision board is a thing. Yes. I also recommend um, if you use Canva, uh, do you use Canva? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who doesn't? Right? <laughs> you can create an electronic like desktop version. So that's what I do. And even like um, in Canva, you can select like um, an iOS, like an Apple like home background for your phone and create like a little mini one for your phone background, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So yeah. Of, and just like collect, you know, downloaded images off the internet or Pinterest or what have you and put together an electronic board. That's well, what I love doing. Anybody listening, you've got to download Canva for one thing. It's just the most amazing um, yeah. online tool for certainly for small businesses. But yeah, yes. I mean, use it for your vision board. I'm going to try it next. Once we get off this yeah. call, I will try it. Right. We should go back to talking about you. Um, so your your business, you talk with mainly female clients. Um, how do you start? What's where's where do you start with your clients? What's what's your first step into helping them and their money mm-hmm. mindset? <laughs> the first step I would, well, the first thing I ask them essentially is what do you want? Because it's like, if I don't, I, I need to know the target essentially. Right. And I was going to say nine times out of 10, but I would actually probably say 10 times out of 10. Let's go with 98% of the time. <laughs> My clients are, can go further with what they want. So they'll tell me something um, like, I don't know. I want to get two new clients, you know, this month or whatever it might be. And I just, it's one of my favorite things to do is to stretch them, stretch their goals. And it's not just for the sake of saying, Oh, instead of two, let's go for 10. Like, you know, just like pulling something out of thin air, but I truly can see. And I feel like it's a gift for me as a coach is I can see where they can go that they haven't seen for themselves. And so yeah, we start with that as like, no, this is what you can truly go for. And then from there, we kind of work backwards as to like, here's what we need to do and 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 be and feel in order to show up for that. And in stretching them, what always happens is the limitations come up of, well, I can't do that because of whatever, like I don't have enough time or, um, you know, coming back to the charging, like I couldn't possibly charge that or whatever. And that's where the that's where the good work comes in. So I actually love when the limitations come up because that's what I'm here to do is I'm here to say like, that's BS. 
And here's why, you know, I, cause I was saying to someone the other day, I said, you know, I had a client come to me one time and she was like, you know, I set my target to make $5,000 this month. And, you know, I'm having some limitations come up around this. So do you think that I should just like lower my goal a little? And I said to her, I was like, no, absolutely not. I said, do not lower your goal to match your limiting beliefs, raise your beliefs to match the goal. Right. So it's like, what beliefs are going on that are telling you, you can't do this. And, you know, she told me, and then I was like, okay, well, what beliefs would you, do you feel you would need to have in order to hit the $5,000 goal? And so that's what we, that's what we focused on and uncovered versus leaning into the limiting beliefs and just being like, well, this is all I can make. I love that actually adjusting your mindset, not your goal. I love that because many people (laughs) will be like, well, my goal's just too ambitious. I'm just going to shift that rather than actually the, the hard work I suppose is shifting yourself. Yeah. And do you find, do you find it takes more effort and more time to shift mindset than it does? Yes. And no. And this, like I I say, yes, because my mindset can be an asshole sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like that brain, that conscious brain really loves to like hold on to what it believes and, you know, and so sometimes it can be an asshole with like changing it around. It's like, no, because it's just like fighting, like to, to stick to the limitation. And so, yeah, there are some things that take time, but I don't want to put that, that can actually be a limitation too, of like, it's going to take like, you know, I've had this limitation forever of, you know, some people believe, you know, I'm just not meant to be wealthy. They just feel like, they're growing like their family and where they grew up. And, you know, I even had some, so, cause where I live is a fairly small place relative to Canada. And I've had some people actually even work with me locally just for the fact that they're like, you, you know, quote unquote made it. And that, you know, they've, they have this limitation that living in Newfoundland is a setback because we're so small and nobody knows where we are. And that they're like, I didn't possibly think I could make it because, you know, where I live is so small. So yeah. So that's, that's where we start is just uncovering all these things and, and going from there. But I feel like I lost, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? So we were talking about, um, is it, it do you find changing mindset is, is hard work and, and the easy part is changing the goal, I guess. Yeah. How long, uh, as long as a piece of string, you're going to answer, but you know, how, <laughs> how much work do you have to, or your clients have to put in to make the shift? Well, when I first started out, I used to put a lot of emphasis on the mindset, which is rightfully so. I mean, there's some people out there that say, you know, success is 80% mindset and 20% strategy, or some people even, I heard one person say one time, it's like 99% mindset and 1% strategy kind of thing. So there are some people out there that really, and I tr- I believe mindset is a huge chunk of it. Um, so having said that, when I, when I first started coaching years ago with my clients, we'd focus a lot on the mindset and uncovering it and blah, blah. And we'd get to the action later down the road. But what I actually realized is action outruns the ego. So action outruns that voice in your head saying, you can't do that. Or people will judge you. Like the fastest way to overcome it is like, it's like ripping off that bandit. Like you can sit there all day long, looking at the bandit, be like, Ooh, this is really going to hurt. I don't want to pull it out. Oh God. Like maybe just tomorrow. Like, it's like, you know what? You just rip that off and it's done. <laughs> right. So the same thing goes for these limit limiting beliefs and the mindset. Like the fastest way is like just to do the thing. You don't want to do that post on Instagram because you're afraid people will judge you go do the post. And that's the fastest way because most times after you do it, it's like, Oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Or like people actually, you know, really supported me with this. So 
people more times than not are pleasantly surprised at what they were fearing so badly for so long. So, so like, and to go back to your question, like how long does it take or whatever, you know, some, like, especially for raising rates, I find as soon as you get your first client at that new rate, boom, the limitation mm-hmm. is gone. You know, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. We're good. Yeah. So it's not like you need to wait for like a hundred customers to buy from you. Like typically it's like that first one and you're like, all right, we got this. Yeah. I, I read something recently around money uh, and I suppose overcoming a hurdle and the mindset was there is enough money to go around. So mm-hmm. there, there is always going to be more and enough for everybody. Do you believe that? Totally. Because if I didn't, then it, I would go back to one of my limiting beliefs I had years ago, which was if I make something, it's taking away from you. And that used to kill me. So even before I started this business, how many years ago? I don't even know, maybe eight, nine years ago, I was really into crocheting and I got really good at it. And I thought, you know what? There's nowhere locally here that's teaching this. And I really love it. And I think it'd be great to show other people how to do it. So I hosted a crochet workshop. And at my house, <laughs> I like just posted it on my personal Facebook. And I said, I'm going to teach it 30 bucks to come join. I'll buy your materials. And so the people who came were like friends and family and that kind of stuff. It was so uncomfortable receiving that $30. I cannot tell you. I was just like, oh my God, like they're paying me 30. Oh my God. And I felt like the biggest, like, like I was this robber, just like stealing their money. It was so uncomfortable for me. And I learned quickly on or early on as an entrepreneur that I needed to overcome this feeling of taking because one people, it's a, it's a really great shift in mindset to believe and know people love to pay me for my work. People are happy to pay me for my work. Like, for example, I'm sure there's many things we can think of where we are grateful to pay somebody for their creation. Like I'm even just looking at, you know, like these watercolor pencils on my desk. Thank you to Derwent (laughs) for making these pencils and having me pay however much it was, say 15 bucks for your watercolor pencils, because this has given me so much joy. Like Derwent isn't sitting back there being like, oh my God, you know, Emily just bought her watercolor. (laughs) Like, you know, like, so I feel like as solopreneurs, especially starting out, it can feel so personal. Like, oh my God, this person just paid me. Now I need like... Derwin's not like calling me up, you know, every night, like, do you still like your watercolor like pencils? Or are they still good? Do you need them sharper? Like they're okay. Right. So we really need to take the pressure off and just know like people are happy to pay us. There's more than enough money to go around and you receiving is not taking from someone else. And How do we program? I suppose our children, I know you've got a daughter and I've got two kids because of the, because of what they learn in the media how can we help our kids to grow up so they don't have these issues of money mindset, particularly (laughs) our girls? Yes. Well, number one is I feel like taking the pressure off of like, am I going to screw my kids up? Or like, I even had some, some parents come to me and like, Oh shit. For like years, I've been telling my kids, whatever. I'm like, I've really screwed them up now. I'm like, it's, it's fine. You're going to be fine. Cause like, no matter what you do, the kid's going to have, you know, some belief that might, be limiting, but so be it. Cause like, I even think, I even think back to my childhood. So my dad was like a workaholic and worked, geez, it was nothing for him to work like a 12 hour day. And so he really had the mindset of like, you got to work hard. 
you know, to make your money. So I could have grown up and had the exact same thing. You know, you work hard for your money and I could have also like, you know, sacrificed my health and that kind of stuff to, to make money. But I saw what he went through and I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Like, like I do not want to go down that path. So I went the opposite of like, how can I create so much freedom? And I also have, you know, freedom time-wise and also have the financial freedom. So I thank my dad for his experience and showing me kind of what not to do. <laughs> right. So I, I just want to say that. So like parents take the pressure off of like, Oh, did I screw them up? Or like, what if I do something wrong? Like you're good. But I think, and you know, this is something that I do really want to personally get more and professionally get more into is, is how to help our kids. And I think just, just empowering them around money. And yeah, that's one that, that I feel at this point, like I'm not well versed in, so to speak on like, Oh, this is the way to teach your money, your, your kids around money. But I, I can imagine that as my daughter grows up is really empowering her to like have a bank account. And, you know, going back to like the whole, the whole thing we were talking about earlier, like we hide money in these conversations and that kind of stuff. And I know growing up, my parents were very secretive about their money. Like we, like I knew that they argued about it and they stressed about it, but I don't know what was going on. So I feel like personally, I most likely as my daughter grows up, be open about it of like, this is how much, not that I'm going to be like, Hey, this is how much mommy makes. And like, you know, plaster it somewhere, but you know, not keep it as a secretive, like silence thing, like hush, hush in the corner, just be like open about it. Like, okay, we have this bill and this is how much things cost, you know? And this is how, uh, I don't know. This is how you use money at the store. Just being very open and honest about it as best I can. And I, I'm sure I'm going to screw it up at some point and, you know, maybe yeah, do something wrong, but yeah, I'll figure it out as I go and hope that, she ends up well, all right. You know, there are so many things to think about as a parent anyway, aren't there? And so many pressures. But you reminded <laughs> me, I went for a walk with my son, who's 15, last night. And we started talking about, he was asking me, am I a millionaire? Which made me chortle. Um, <laughs> and we started talking about, you know, assets. And and we, I don't know, we got into a conversation about Elon Musk, who I think is the wealthiest person in the world and where he makes mm-hmm. his money and what is what. And it was just this really interesting conversation with my 15-year-old boy about money that I would never have had with my parents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I guess me coming from this money mindset world, knowing the limiting beliefs is if my daughter ends up saying something like, I don't know, like that, you know, Elon Musk, like he must be such a prick or whatever, because he has some, whatever, like maybe he is a prick. I don't know. But really taking away the judgment on the wealth, like the, the, whole attachment of like, if you have wealth, it must mean that these character traits go along with it. Like there are some very, very wealthy people in this world that are very, very lovely people and very giving and very kind. And, you know, so um, I can imagine that as she grows up, if I kind of catch these limitations, just, just questioning her on it and, you know, getting curious and, and having that conversation to change it around and say, well, it could be this way, you know? Yeah. You said yeah. just then catching your limitations. Yeah that's that takes a bit of practice doesn't it because you there's an internal voice and everybody's got one mm-hmm. how how can you catch them you know and then what when you caught them and you figured right i'm saying this to myself what do you do with them <laughs> yeah so there's i guess a, a great practical exercise for people listening is well especially if somebody you know is an entrepreneur well not even an entrepreneur just if you're a person <laughs> and if there's a particular financial goal that you want to hit or a salary you want to make or whatever it might be 
here's kind of a step-by-step is one, write it down. So maybe someone out there is an entrepreneur and they say, I want to have a hundred thousand dollar a year. Perfect. Write that down. Maybe you work for someone. You say, I want to get a raise, you know, a $10,000 raise next year, whatever it might be. Fantastic. Um, or maybe it's even just hour wise. Like I want, I only want to work 20 hours a week and make the same amount. Perfect. So write down the, the goal. And then next is write your belief about it on a scale from one to 10. So how like 10 being like, I totally believe in this, that this will happen for me. So if you're a 10 out of 10, fantastic. Great. Maybe pick and maybe even raise the goal then if you're already like 10 out of 10. But if, if it's, you know, eight or lower, let's say, um, ask yourself, well, what has me not believing? Like, why don't, what, what's that gap? Say somebody's a six out of 10. So where's those, where are those four points missing? You know, what has you believing that you can't completely do this? And in writing that out, then from there, um, I call it the head shit journal. So uh, I write out my limitations and I quite simply literally cross them out. And so that alone is therapeutic and releasing in and of itself, even if they don't move on to this next step I'm going to share. But even if you just write it out and cross it out, you're making progress because you're kind of telling the universe, I don't believe this by like scratching it out and kind of saying, you know, I want, I'm willing to, to see another way or I'm willing to be open to a, a different possibility. But from there, what I do is I then shift my mindset to ask myself, and somebody listening to this, if you're new to this, maybe just ask yourself, what would my best friend tell me? Or maybe, you know, pick somebody who's very encouraging to you. What would my mother tell me? Or what would, um, you know, my coach tell me? Whatever it is. But in my case, I've been doing this for years. So I just ask myself, like, what what do you want the truth to be? And um, so let's just say somebody has a belief of... um, you know, I'm not educated enough to make $100,000 a year. You know, I didn't go to university or whatever it might be. Well, cross that out and then say, you know, ask yourself what what a best friend might say. Well, best friend might say, well, look at, I don't know. You always hear those stories of like the, the high school dropouts that then make their millions and that kind of stuff. So find examples, find the evidence of this is possible. And, you know, um, who says, especially this day and age, who says you need to have a proper education? to be wealthy. And this person's done it. And that person's done it. And look, I made, um, 80,000 this year. So what's another 20 grand or whatever, like really build that evidence, uh, for yourself. And so I would say, start from the conscious awareness of it, meaning like where you consciously sit down and, and run through that exercise with yourself. Cause the conscious is easier to do than the unconscious. Obviously we're like, you're just out and about and then, you know, not really catching the thoughts, so to speak. So I would say, start with the conscious and then, once you can pick up on that stuff, it becomes easier in your regular day to day to really be like, oh, wait a minute, that that doesn't really empower me. I don't really like the way that feels when I think about that. And then you can do the same work with those thoughts. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. What I do want to talk about and it is money mindset related, but more about confidence directly is you did a TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about that because that to me and not to everybody sounds like it takes a lot of courage to stand on a stage and talk and then for it to go out to the world. Cause I've seen it. Um, yeah. you know, as we've said, you know, right at the start, we're thousands and thousands of miles away. So it's out there in the world and people are looking yes. at it. Um, <laughs> how did, how did, first of all, how did you do, you know, what was the process to get on to Ted talk and were you nervous or, or was it just like, Oh yeah, this is a breeze. Yeah. Oh, totally nervous. Okay. There's so many things I want to say about this. I want to say this first before I forget, because speaking of confidence is what, like, 
And speaking of like catching the thoughts is when my TEDx talk went live on YouTube for the first time, I remember people writing me and being like, wow, that was really great. I really loved it. Well done. And I caught the thought because what was happening in my brain was I was going, oh my God, people are watching it. Oh my God. What are they thinking? They probably think it's terrible. And, and I started to go down that like path. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, why are you thinking that Emily? Like, stop that really like take in the compliment and and really lean into, yeah, it was a great talk. Like, thank you. So I just want to share that because, you know, even after doing it, I still need, there's still work to be done. Good work to be done on embracing the confidence around that. So the work's not done once you hit the stage and, you know, quote unquote, make it so to speak, right? Like keep the work going. So I just want to say that before I forget, but, um, yeah. So how it, how it happened was, um, actually speaking of visions and that kind of stuff, I had it written down that I wanted to do a Ted talk. Like that was one of my goals in life was to do that. And I believe from having that intention that, um, this, this woman that I knew, I know like, she's not a friend, but I know we're, we're friends on Facebook. One of the, one of those, like, you know, of them, but you're not like best friends or anything. And she wrote me knowing that I enjoyed speaking. She wrote me and she said, um, TEDx is coming to St. John's, which is my city. And she said, you know, I really think you should apply. And I was like, oh my God, I, I had no idea about it. So I check out the application and, um, my confidence is probably like a two out of 10, like two being low. Cause I'm looking at the application. I'm thinking, oh my God, I have nothing. Like wh- who am I, you know, to go up? Like what, where are they going to care about what I have to talk, to talk about like money mindset and like, they're going to laugh at me kind of thing. But I, my theme for that year, this was 20, when did I apply for this? This is 2020. Yeah. 2020, uh, January, 2020. My theme for that year. Uh, and I was inspired. I think it was in uh, Jen Sincero that said, um, if you're serious about changing your life, you have to show up for the scary thing when it presents itself. Cause that's where the change happens. Right. And so it was like the first week of January when this woman wrote me to say the TEDx applications were open and I'm sitting there being like, I can't do this. And I was like, Emily, you said show up for the scary thing. If you're serious about changing your life. So I was like, Fuck. like, you know, just like, Oh, fine. So I remember the like 11th hour, like literally sitting there the night it was due and just being like, Oh my God, they're going to laugh at me. But, but I was just like, just do it. Just like put it in there. And then next thing you know, I get a callback. So there was, I think there's three rounds of callbacks for it. And in the end, obviously I got selected for it. And so it was such a huge thing going back to one of your opening questions, which is like, what is confidence for you? It, it was such a huge lesson in choosing myself. Cause I remember being, cause this was just before COVID. It was like February, 2020. So being in the room with the other speakers and the coach, like they have speaker coaches as well. And you know, the, the people who run the TEDx event and just kind of like looking around being like, wow, like they, they picked me, like who, like I'm sitting here, like for real. Like, so there's kind of this duality going on, like this part of me being like, you can't be sitting here. Like you're an idiot. Like you're going to sound like a loser when you go to speak. And then there's this part of me that was like, but you got chosen for a reason, like believe that. And so it really came down to a matter of choosing the empowering voice versus listening to the disempowering voice. And so don't get me wrong. It, it, it like took some, took some work, but it just, it just kept going back to like, I was chosen for a choice. I was chosen for a reason. I was chosen for a reason. Like, believe it, believe it, believe it. Like you're here for a reason. And just continuously like leaning into that. And uh, yeah, even leading up to the actual event, you know, getting closer to just like, Oh my God, Oh my God. Like, but just being like, Nope, it's happening for a reason. You've got to show up. And so just trusting that there was like a higher power than me that believed in me 
enough to get chosen was what kind of like pulled me through to really bring that confidence out and step on that stage and share my, my speech and, you know, trust that it was enough. Well, I'm really glad they did choose you because it is really good. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So anybody listening, oh, if they want to go and watch Emily, um, yeah, you can do that. And I'll, I'll drop that into the show notes. So Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of time because we could, <laughs> I have to get you back. I'm absolutely sure yeah. I'm going to get you back because there's loads of stuff that we just haven't covered. Yeah. So I will absolutely get you back onto the show. Season four <laughs> is already starting to, to ramp up. Um, oh. But yeah, thank you so much for being on the show and, and also just sharing, so generously sharing some of the things that you do with your clients uh, and all those hints and tips that anybody listening can really take away and work on. So mm. thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it. If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time.